At Universal City in California, they prepare for the start of a unique pigeon derby across the U.S. The official starters are director Alfred Hitchcock and Tippi Hedren, who is being introduced to theater goers in Mr. Hitchcock's The Birds. The pigeons, racing out of the American Racing Pigeon Union, carry microfilm copies of an unprecedented contract that will see The Birds open at some 30 theaters in New York on March 28th. Pigeon clubs in 27 cities are participating in the relay race with six pigeons in each relay team. There are trophies for the winner of each leg, and it will take 15 days to complete the race. Pigeons are too slow for Mr. Hitchcock and Miss Hedren, who arrive in New York in a more conventional manner to prepare for the opening of the shock thriller based on the classic by Daphne du Maurier. The well-trained raven has a part in The Birds. But we think it's going to be Tippy Hedren who'll draw the crowds. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back. How about that newsreel? I mean, that was a lot of fun. That was that was fun. We found that like a mere minutes before <laughs> yeah, we hopped that, on this that, recording. That one came in clutch. <laughs> we're we're ready for this. But uh, listeners, I hope you're ready. My name is Pete, and I'm Scott, and, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Absolutely, Happy Pride Month. Oh yeah, happy forgot Pride to month. wish Happy Pride Month in our last. Episode. I mean, this is the queer ass podcast. It is always Pride. It with is us. always Pride Month on <laughs> movies that made us gay. And what better of a time to do a Burt's episode than I mean, Pride Month. I mean, we're going to explain exactly why we chose this movie. But um, it's going to make sense, listeners. And also so, no guests today. It's yeah, just us. just us. Mm-hmm. It's just little old us. Two of us here. But, um, I mean, why don't you get some paperwork out of the way, Scott? What's going on with The Birds? Um, the Birds, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, yes. released according to also noted in that newsreel, March 28th, 1963. Yes. It is based on the short story by Daphne du Maurier, which was first published in her 1952 short story collection, The Apple Tree. It is adapted by Evan Hunter, who was told by Hitchcock to develop new characters and a more elaborate plot while keeping du Maurier's title and concept of unexplained bird attacks. I was going to say, is it based... Is it based on the short story? The by short Daphne story Demarie? is uh, <laughs> set in England, yes. jolly old England, yes, um, and it is kind of like a seaside town. And I believe that the protagonist well, so of the protagonist. short story, um, it's a man, too. Sure, uh, I'll, I'll, okay, okay, I'll, I'll say. And way. Alfred, I mean, I think that he was close friends with this author, and he had also adapted Rebecca, Rebecca that yes. one best picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, the only reference that I have for the source material is there is a podcast channel. If you do a little search, uh, and uh, it's called Lux Radio Theater. You love, I love, you Lux love your radio, radio dramas. Theater. It's an old timey radio drama because I'm a nerd. And the thing is, is that Lux was a brand of soap. It was bar soap. Oh, I thought you were going to say cigarettes. No, it was soap. Like Lucky, yes. no. like Lucky Strike. No, no, no. Lux was soap. It was bar soap. It was for your face. And so all the commercials are like, Lux mm-hmm. brand soap. Like, clean your face with it. And um, so they would do these radio dramas. Okay. And they uh, – f- my favorite, in which we own the vinyl of, is Sunset Boulevard. Yes. And they got – Ms. Gloria Swanson and Mr. Bill Holden. Love it. To come in and do the radio drama in front of a live audience. Ah, to be in that live audience. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did one of the birds. If you go through the podcast okay. and scroll and scroll and scroll, there's all these crazy movies and or radio dramas, and a lot of them are movies. And that they, they just adapted. adapted them with a radio script. Now listen to this. Okay, the bird, no, uh, Sunset Boulevard, and All About Eve are the screenplay that they condensed. Okay. They condensed which to is, about an hour. Which is about right, because I think that those scripts just kind of read as they a play. play very so well. It probably plays very channel. well on the radio. Um, of course, uh, All About Eve has no one from the movie, because Betty Davis is not going to... Well, she she would have gone and done a radio show if they paid her, but uh, she, she didn't do this one. But anyway, so The Birds is there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to The Birds. It's the Daphne du Maurier Birds. Oh, interesting. It is not the movie. And I was like, You're what like, in the Sam Hill am I listening mm-hmm. to? Who are these people? Where is Melanie Where Daniels? Is Ms. Melanie Where is Rod Taylor? I mean, come on. But I listened to it on the train coming home. And, Today? No. Okay. Uh, a while ago. And I uh, have to say zoned out a little bit. I was not oh, okay. all there for it. I think that I was just so like, well, this is weird. Mm-hmm. That I kind of just started looking off into the distance, but um, maybe Hitch was onto something by um, taking the premise and building new characters from just it. Keeping the title, keeping the title. That's bird so attacks. Funny. Keep the title. Well, I mean, th- would you say this is an early when animals attack movie? I mean, that would later go on of to course. inspire Spielberg with Jaws or Joe Dante and Piranha, and the superior I- movie to all of those, Birdemic Shock and Awe. I mean, I feel. I mean, birdemic shock and all <laughs> has a lot to owe to the has a lot to owe to the birds. I mean, mm-hmm, a, clearly, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like you think zero like uh, yeah, chill with that one. But um, okay, so I love this movie. Yeah, and I love it too. I feel like a lot of the time I spend talking to people about the birds, I'm defending it. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think when I usually talk about the birds, people are just like, uh, it's like this this quote in Weird Science that Wyatt says when they're talking, they're watching The Bride of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And Wyatt tells Gary, he goes, this is actually more funny than scary. And he goes, campy. I believe the word is campy. And that was the first time I ever knew what that meant. But that's what I get when I say like, oh, I love the birds. People are like... But it's fun. It's not scary. It's like it's like funny. Like Which I always laugh. I would kind of disagree. I think the last twenty minutes of this movie are fucking oh, harrowing. This movie's scary as shit. Yeah. <laughs> and the thi- the thing is, the thing is, these famous Alfred Hitchcock movies, the big famous ones that are in like the box set that we have. Mm-hmm. We're talking Psycho, Vertigo, North by Northwest, The Birds. These mm-hmm. are the ones that are just kind of. I would say if you if you were born in like the early nineties and earlier. Mm-hmm. These movies are just kind of like baked into like our cultural mm-hmm. DNA. Do you remember if you when, watch movies? Sure. You know these movies. Do you remember when the Hitchcock box set came out in the nineties when they were I mean I think that VHSs had existed of all of these, yeah. but they just packaged them all together. I remember that set. Yes. And looking at it at like Suncoast or something and how and expensive so, it was. If you've never seen North by Northwest, you've seen Cary Grant running in the cornfield yes. with the mm-hmm. plane yep. shooting at him. Obviously, we know the psycho shower scene. With the birds, it's like the kids running down the street 
and the birds pecking at their heads. Mm-hmm. Did you mention Rear Window, too? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mention that, but that's also in there. And again, mm-hmm. this is just something that if you've, even if you've never seen the, the movie, shot of Grace Kelly on the bed. Images, yep. You know, you always, I always think of that. And so the thing is, I think those scenes of these birds attacking these children, this shit's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. This movie, they had zero fucking like. Animal control, like yeah, there was no. Even though there are pioneering visual effects that we'll talk about, but they also did use some birds. Yes, quite a few. Some roll birds, and they used some roll fishing wire to tie these birds to these children. That shot of Rod like reaching out of the door and that bird biting his hand. Yes, yes. (laughs) So the thing is, the big images that people know i think people have this idea in their head of like it's so campy right Mm -hmm. these birds attacking these people it's not hilarious and it's it's Mm -hmm. a little funny when you watch it and the kids and all that stuff and my thing is like do you watch the show tamar sure like if you Mm -hmm. watch you actually sat down when was the last time you sat down and watched it it's frightening right and for I mean, so many reasons that we don't even have time to go into. Obviously, this is Alfred Hitchcock, like we talked about in our Psycho episode. This is Alfred Hitchcock just coming off of Psycho, too. So he felt like he had to raise the bar even more. So obviously, we're not going to sit here and be like, and did you know there's no score in this movie? Like, there are other podcasts that are going to dissect this movie and talk about like and they closed the door and there was no door they just mimed it yeah okay yeah great there's like film bros that are going to talk about all that we're not going to talk about <laughs> we're not about why this movie scared the shit out of us and like weird ass queer subtext that's in this movie yeah. i'm you're finding i'm very obsessed with i'm very obsessed with the character of melanie daniels and we'll oh, get into that oh. but i love that our show we have not done – this is our first technical Alfred Hitchcock right. movie because we have done a Psycho episode, right. Right. but we did the Gus Van Sant Psycho yes. episode. Yes. We're one of those podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. You know, there, I, there are a ton of college thesis papers out there on Alfred Hitchcock. There's so much written about it. There's entire documentaries on YouTube just movies. Videos, entire documentaries on – a single scene. A single scene Mama, or... there's an entire documentary on the shower yeah, scene. Yeah, on the shower scene or the Truffaut and Hitchcock like documentary, friendship. which yeah. is just about their conversations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My dinner with Andre. Mm-hmm. So it's like all that stuff is out there, right? This is not what this show is. It's never been what our show is. We're, you know, we're going to talk about why we love this movie. And, um, you know, we do usually talk about when we first our first earliest memories of this. Mm -hmm. I have mine. Do you have yours? Yeah. I mean, I think that I would have been introduced by to this movie. I think by my mom, because my mom would have been a little kid when she saw this movie, because this is out in 63. 63, So she would have been a small child. I don't know if she saw it in the theater. Yeah. I mean, she may have, I don't know. So, okay. So I remember memories of psycho and I'm like, you were five. Mm -hmm. So no, but yeah, they have the again. It's just that thing that it's just baked into our DNA. We remember it. So but yeah, so our, I remember my mom yeah. telling me that she thought this movie was scary. Yes. when she was a kid, yeah. and I remember I think just us watching it, yeah. just renting it from the video store. And this was a, this would have been early. I mean, this was probably the second Hitchcock movie that I remember watching because I mean I would have been introduced to Psycho, and then I probably would have would have watched The Birds very shortly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And also, do you remember kind of touring Universal Studios when you were a kid? And I feel like that was my first introduction to Hitchcock. Yes. Yeah. Just kind of him as a director to would this, have been through the studio tour. And, to this day, they mm-hmm. still drive by his old bungalow. Yep. That's got his silhouette, you know, stenciled on the door outside. There's very cool studio shots in this movie where they're out on the lot. I mean, mm-hmm. they the shoot all around the they shoot all around the lot in this movie. Are wild, and we'll talk about it. Um, okay, so I remember when Vertigo was remastered. Okay, and uh, I want to say it was the late '90s. Mm-hmm. It was a big restoration effort for Vertigo, right? Uh, it was unavailable for many years. Did they put it in the theaters or was it just a, uh, a they, home video they thing? They may have. They may have done it probably. Yeah. I mean, you know what they probably did was it was probably on TCM. Yes. They they probably put it on TV. Yes. So um, I went out. I bought the VHS because this was right pre-DVD when they remastered Vertigo. Uh, there's all this footage on it. There's a whole like feature-length documentary at the end of it, mm-hmm. I was about watching. I was watching a little bit of it. The today. restoration mm-hmm. of Vertigo, and so, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought we're. I thought, oh no, I'm not the birds yet. I'm not there the birds document. No, okay, I'm not there mind. yet. Okay. So I get this. It's lovingly restored. I'm like, this movie's amazing. I fall in love with Vertigo. You know, he here's what here I was born. Here I died. Like, oh my god, Kim Novak, she's still Kim alive. Novak, yep, killing it. Mm-hmm. That crazy makeup. She's like the Highlander of all of them the, now. The, t- mm-hmm. the Tammy Brown eyebrows. Her and uh, Ava Marie Sant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm in love with it, right? I'm like, this is great. And then I start seeing. There's also like little ads. You remember when you get a VHS and be like, other Hitchcock I th- classics. I think that was for the VHS box set, right? I think. So I was we like, were talking about. okay, like I know, I know the birds. I've not seen it, so I go and I rent it. And it's just like a little weird, shitty old copy from the video store. And I was like, this movie's kind of fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So then I get my DVD player, and they and there's a nice, like, you know, 20th century masters, whatever DVD of the birds. And I buy that, and I become like fully obsessed because now this has documentaries and interviews with Tippy Hedren and our dear friend Tippy Hedren. Tip. Old mm-hmm. good old Tip. Yeah. We, we know her well. Um we got to dig up that picture. We'll dig up that picture and we'll post it on the Instagram. I've told the story before on yes. the podcast where yes. we met Tippy. I'll maybe I'll I'll tell tell it later. Um and so I was just fascinated by everything about this movie because it's you know again like Vertigo and Hitchcock and uh, uh, and Psycho, it's it's epic. It's huge. It's got this this fierce like blonde female lead, but this movie is like a big special effects movie, mm-hmm. and it's Technicolor, nineteen sixty three, old school special effects, and I'm fascinated, and so I'm just watching everything and taking it all in, and it is a crazy movie like it's not like and like i said earlier before like we can talk about these things we're not going to go too deep into them but it's like there is no score in this movie Mm -hmm. bernard herman who famously works with hitchcock on all you know a lot of his movies and has those epic bernard herman scores like vertigo and psycho is a sound consultant a sound a soundtrack consultant 
and a lot of the bird noises were done. Uh, and no bird on Earth sounds like any of the noises in this movie. They were done with uh, with a synthesizer. These noises are crazy, otherworldly. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they do not sound like birds. Crows don't sound like that. Seagulls don't. Um, you know, so it's like there's no soundtrack. There's um, this this weird, eerie bird noises. Um, you know, it's it's very of its time is very of its period so me this like modern kid i'm just like oh my god these clothes are fascinating like i was obsessed with like san francisco as like a city and a place mm-hmm. to live and northern california and all that stuff so it's like all of these things just kind of sucked me into this movie um my sister and i used to watch the bob newhart show uh reruns when we were kids and suzanne plachette uh, was was Bob's wife in that show, and so oh, yeah. I was like, "Wow, look how young and beautiful she is in this movie. She's like so stunning." I that loved, beautiful smoker voice. I mm-hmm. loved Suzanne Plachette in this. I mean, of course, Tippi Hedren, Melanie Daniels is yeah, everything. Get out of here! That everything. face, and we're going to talk about this mm-hmm. character. But there was just something about Annie, the school teacher, the the. I mean, she's not jilted. She's just the former lover. She's the former lover. Of of Mitch. But just mm-hmm. Annie Hayworth is just this... She's a school teacher. She lives alone in this house. She moved to Bodega Bay just to be near to him. To be near Mitch. She, she knew that kind of... Um, it had kind of passed that yeah. she could be his wife or yeah. lover, but she just wants to be near him. So Annie yeah. Hayworth to me was this very interesting character. She was mysterious, but she was kind of upfront. Um, all these characters are really well-rounded uh, even without a lot of like ex- exposition or backstory. Like, yeah, there's just something about how, how well executed this shit is. Mm-hmm. And again, I to people that say this movie's campy, it's more funny than scary to that. I say, that's not the truth, Ellen. Yeah. Sit down and watch it. Speaking of that's not the truth, Ellen, that's the granddaughter of our star. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good reference. Mm-hmm. Um, sit down and watch it and you will be kind of surprised at how well done it is for something that you maybe kind of thought had a reputation for being tacky, corny, and played out. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too into talking about the characters and the yes, plot, yes. I wanted to ask you, what is your relationship with birds? So I think birds have weird are really interesting. And when I – I think a few days ago, I wasn't quite sure what movie we were going to do. Yeah. We were thinking about a few other movies and I thought, you know what? I have the birds in our October lineup this year. I want to move it up to summertime. Sure. Why not? Sure. We should just do it. And okay. I want I walked over and got a coffee down the street and the my our coffee place is sort of up in the air. Mm. Like it's kind of open in the air and there were these little birds that were just acting the fool. <laughs> and the woman that was right in front of me, uh, she was kind of afraid of them. Like she was kind of afraid to go up to the counter. But uh, people have weird relationships with birds, which I think is so interesting. I had um, a coworker that said that she had a fear of birds, that she hated them. I think it's so interesting. So to me, I have the whole like George Costanza outlook. We got a deal. Mm-hmm. We, us and the birds, we got a deal. We got to coexist. Get, you get close to them, they fly away. I've never had an experience where 
there are birds somewhere and you walk in their general direction and they don't just get up and leave. Mm-hmm. That's just what they do. Now, bigger birds, on the other hand. Oh, yeah. I'm, have, not, I'm not getting close to that. I have been cornered in a rose garden by a peacock before mm-hmm. and thought that I would have to climb through the thorns peacocks to get my are, way out. Peacocks are not to be trusted. Because those mm-hmm. mothers are huge. Yeah. They are... And that screech, that peacock screech. Sounds like a dying, like, small child. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And when they try to fly, they look like Dementors. Yeah. Because they're just so, like, heavy and unwieldy. Well, and, do, you, like, do you almost think feathers fly all over I almost... I mean... Okay, so I, 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 as a child, I loved big... Like birds of prey, I love yeah. like a hawk, hawks an eagle. and eagles. Golden eagles so, are really cool. So, I, mm-hmm. so I loved He Man and the Masters of the Universe. And my second favorite character on He Man was was the sorceress. Yeah, and she has an eagle headdress, mm-hmm. and her toy came with. She transforms into an eagle, and it's orange. Its color scheme is orange, blue, and white. Mm-hmm. Mama, I you could not tell me that I was not the sorceress. I was like, I can transform into this eagle, this orange and blue like plumage. I loved it when like my sister and I would like be playing outside, and she'd be like, "What animal would you be if you could turn into any animal?" And I was like, "An eagle, of course." I could have you ever fly. seen? Have you ever seen birds like eagles or hawks up up close? Hell to the no. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and there In would be terrace? and there no. would be assemblies. Yeah, and I feel like at one time a hawk was brought in. Yeah, and I mean maybe even like a bald eagle or something. And those yeah birds are crazy when you see them up close. I remember, and they will fuck you up. I remember reading mm-hmm. in like encyclopedias that like eagles' wingspans were like like six feet or something, mm-hmm. and I was like, no. That's In, crazy. No. Yeah, like a golden eagle. <laughs> yeah. Golden eagles are huge. Yeah. Um, so, like, they're fascinating. I know that they are powerful and can, like, rip your entire body asunder. Um, so I would probably be afraid of a bird of prey, but, like, but like a pigeon. Yeah. And, like, a woodpecker, like, on the street. I'm just like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm not like, a fr- <laughs> I don't have like, oh my God, there's a bird. Like it's going to peck my eyes out. No, fuck that. Like I'm not afraid by any means, like certain things. Except for the bird. Certain, bu- <laughs> I would like to thank all my guests, but not the bird. Um, certain things I don't like, certain bugs. There are these like weird like house, like centipedes. That have well, really long legs. Salapine, fuck those. Salapines are gross, though. Those Everyone hates centipedes. Me, you know what I mean? Uh, it took me a while to be able to like hold the tarantula in my hand at my old job and, and the snake. I was like, okay, I got this. I got to psych myself up for the snake. But yeah, I feel like a bird. It's like, okay, it's a bird. They weigh like not even a pound. Mm-hmm. Like a pigeon weighs like eight ounces. Like they've got hollow bones. They're not, they're, mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever seen a baby pigeon? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, mama, baby pigeons are so gross. So when I worked at the Children's Museum, we were tucked away in the park in the foothills of Pasadena. It was like this lovely, like, you know, verdant green pastoral like experience. And one of our staff found a baby bird and it was kind of like, it looked like it was abandoned. And so they got like a shoebox and they brought it in. This bitch was 
big. So we were like, what if it's like a baby, like a hawk or something? And it like fell or like whatever. So we're like, ah, we found this like baby. It's so majestic. It will grow into this lovely, wonderful, it'll be our, it'll be our pet. It'll be our mascot. At the Children's Museum. So I think they ended up texting a picture of it to Animal Control before they came out to see it. Yeah. And they're like, Mama, that's a pigeon. They're like, that, that's a pigeon. That's a pigeon. It was, first of all, it was ugly as hell because it was like naked. And then when their feathers come out, they're like, they're just gross. Just Google a baby pigeon. It's not cute. Um, but they're big. It was big. I was like, why are you so big? Like it was pretty much the size of a pigeon, but like naked. It was weird. Um, so long story short, I'm not afraid of them, but I don't like love them. Like if a pigeon got in the house, I'd be like, we got to move. I mean, I remember <laughs> birds getting loose in our house a lot because yeah. we lived in the the country on a hill. So mm-hmm. we always just sort of got birds hanging out. And my mom always had a bird feeder. I mean, yes. that's the thing is that yeah. when you hit a certain age, I feel like it's a prerequisite that you just turn into a bird watcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Birding is fucking cool because there's so many different types of actual birds. My favorite character in this movie is like a bird expert. The bird lady. Mm-hmm. The you bird know, lady in the cafe. When mm-hmm. I first realized that like there were just – you know, because I – you know, I don't want to talk about like I'm I'm a city kid. So it's like I saw pigeons. I saw seagulls. And I saw little like brown sparrows, right? We always had a bird, but, a bird book too. But when I realized that like – there's just woodpeckers out there. Mm-hmm. I was like, this ain't like... They used to peck on our this house. This ain't the fields of like Canada. What the hell? Yeah. I just thought woodpeckers were for like Yosemite or something. But I was like, oh, that's a fucking woody-ass woodpecker. Red. Just red like, just little... Like, just like the cartoon. Mohawk crest. Just like the cartoon. He didn't have blue feathers. He has black feathers. But I was like, I'll be damned if that's not a woodpecker. Pecking mm-hmm. away out there. Love it. Crows I love. Crows are a cool. A big crow or a raven. There's um, a big discussion in this movie of what the difference is between yes, a crow and a raven, is, too. Is there a difference? Yes, Daddy, there's a difference. Um, I think they're fascinating because they're supposed to be really smart. I always think, like, birds are dumb because they're always just, like, looking off in different directions and, like, their eyes are on different sides of their head. And, like, I don't know. They just look dumb to me. But I don't think so. I think they're very smart. All right. Well, I also here's another question. What about bird pet owners? Weird. <laughs> so, uh, Just a, a good friend of mine in high school that I told you about mm-hmm. that when we were watching Yellow Jackets, Christina Ricci's bird, Misty, Misty, Misty's bird, Misty's bird, Caligula, Caligula. is an African gray, and Claire had an African gray uh, in her house, mm-hmm. and. Griffin would just wander around the house. They didn't really have Griffin in a cage. He would just kind of cruise around. And yeah. you could not touch Griffin if you were not Claire or either Lois and Jeff her parents. Like, you could not <laughs> touch that bird. Not Lois and Jeff. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you have a parrot, a bird that size, it should be free. Mm-hmm. I feel like a bird cage is like... Why does the cage bird sing? I know why a cage bird sings. That's crazy. That's so small. Yeah, I feel like the bird, like, I wouldn't want to live my life in, like, a room the size of an elevator, especially if I had the ability to fly. Um, yeah, my great uncle Louie had a parrot. I don't remember what kind it was, but it talked. Uh, my dad's cousin had. Dad, Louis, shut up. My dad's cousin had one of those big. Uh, what, what animal was David Archuleta on The Masked Singer? 
He was a uh, some kind of a, a parrot. <laughs> uh, a macaw. A macaw. Yeah. My dad's cousin had a macaw, and mm. it was very cool looking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, you know, the, the big gag of this movie is that, like, there is no explanation. No. And do you think modern audiences, if this movie was never made, and a modern retelling exactly with this like storyline people would lose their fucking would you have to have like characters people would lose their minds you would have to have scientist characters like in twister trying to figure out why the birds are mad yeah i mean it's because the main characters are horny i think that's like essentially what it is (laughs) and that's what's really clever about this story is that it's structured like an early 60s screwball comedy Yes. And then it Start just turns into a horror movie, and you kind of get that with Alfred Hitchcock's very sophisticated direction of that it starts out with the Hollywood meet cute, and then about over 30 minutes in, Mel gets pecked – or Mel gets uh, her head like dive-bombed by that bird. Yes. And then it changes into a completely different movie. She got hit by a gull. Um, yes, it does start off like a like a romantic comedy. And these two play it very well. Rod Taylor plays that very well. I love the early scenes in the pet store. This crazy-ass pet store. Like, you can buy a toucan in the store. The, you okay. can buy a monkey. There were more monkeys than dogs in this pet store, first of all. What? Yeah. There was a cage that was the length of an entire wall. Yeah. With just like Colobus monkeys or mm-hmm. like whatever Marcel from Friends was. Just in there. Mm-hmm. Just go buy a monkey. It's the 60s. Can you just purchase a toucan? I mean, we just saw, we just saw the Fablemans. Fablemans. We just saw that the mom was just like, I want a monkey. It's the 60s. I can buy one. They didn't have laws against that shit. Uh, yeah, a full ass to a full ass toucan. Like this is an exotic buy, animal. Go buy toucan Sam there. This is mm-hmm. an exotic animal. And yeah, they just had. There were more weird animals than there were like dogs. First of all, I didn't see any cats. I saw a, the tiniest cage with like five dogs in it. Yeah, and then the rest was like monkeys and like manticores and esquilax and like weird shit. Like okay. This one's got the head of a rabbit and the body of a yeah. rabbit. Fantastic beast and where to find yeah. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pet store is run. She's run by Mrs. Inch, by from, Mrs. Inch. from The Parent Trap. The parent I love trap. this actress. <laughs> they said they'd be here by 3 o'clock. <laughs> oh, my God. She's the best. She is like that quintessential... Like mid-century, busy body, old lady, busy body, old lady. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! And there's kind of characters like that in a lot of Alfred Hitchcock's movies too. I mean, do you do you think uh, his daughter just wasn't available? Pat, she could have she she could have played this role. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. He was flirting with you. Um, She could she could have been the pet the pet shop proprietress. but yeah, this uh, this scene is very cute. We it sets up their characters. You know, mm-hmm. Mitch is a lawyer. He lives in San Francisco. I think it's kind of a pretty 
cool move that Melanie plays it that she works there. Oh too. yeah, it's great. It's mm-hmm. great. It's it's great. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I love about Melanie Daniels and what we find out about her. Um, she's a socialite. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's a socialite. She's got a bad reputation. She has a bad reputation, but she's she also girl. she also says that she has numerous jobs too. So right, she right. So like she does work. Mm-hmm. Well, she works the way like Courtney Kardashian works. Yeah, like girl, you ain't got no job. Um, like the name the the name is the business. Uh, but it's interesting because when I first saw this movie in like the late nineties and early two thousands, socialites were starting to become popular there hadn't really been famous socialites in the late 80s or through the through the 90s mm-hmm. since i don't since like i don't know like p is adora there like people were famous for being pop stars or actors or whatever there yeah. hadn't really been famous socialites until like the hiltons really yeah right and so I was like, okay, I think I get it. I mean, when you see Melanie Daniels, she's in like what by today's standards, a very prim and proper yes. suit. Mm-hmm. You know? A gorgeous suit. She's in that suit a in the gr- entire movie. A green suit. Yeah. It's like sort of minty green. Which done by Edith Head, according to the credits. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, she did all of she did Tippy Hedron's costume. Yep. She didn't costume the entire movie. She just, just did Tippy Hedron's costume. Yep. She's not in the green suit in in the in the pet store. It's okay, the sure. Because it's the it's, it's, it's Saturday. It's the day before, or it's Friday. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Mitch is in San Francisco. She's wearing. I think she's wearing like gray and black, but it's like a skirt. But again, very prim and proper. Her hair is in this like this. French twist. Yeah. Hair the dude. hair situation is really beautiful because <sighs> it's not like our grandparents' hair. Like, it's not <laughs> curly. Her hair is straight, but it's just sort of done in that twist. And it's not quite like a Patty Stone. Yeah, not quite. Like, I don't even know how you would. Beha- I, I don't well, know how you would do this hairstyle. Well, let me tell you this. In The Girl, they didn't do it right. Because mm-hmm. I am very familiar with this movie. And the way that the, that her hair is done, it's not exact in the girl. Mm-hmm. The hairstylist probably couldn't I mean, figure it out. I hate to say this. I don't want to be shady against Sienna Miller. She is very beautiful, <laughs> ah. but she's no tippy. So, Tippies, listeners, if tip- you're not familiar, mm-hmm. there is an HBO movie? Yeah, it's an HBO movie. There's there was HBO- competing Hitchcock yes, movies in, were- in, in 2012. Yes. And there's one. And the girl is with Anthony Hopkins. No, no. The girl is with Toby Jones. Girls with Toby Jones. And the big, I mean, the big difference is the girl is a little more. Um, I think it kind of keeps it real a little bit right, about right, what right, kind right. of a person Alfred Hitchcock was, right. and they don't really do that in the Hitchcock movie Hitchcock, with yeah. Helen Mirren and Anthony Hopkins. Right. Mm-hmm. Anthony. Yes. Um. I mean, side note, tangent. Uh. There have been numerous reports from various women, mostly, mm-hmm. under Alfred Hitchcock's employ, stating that he had very sexist practices. Including Tippy herself. Including Tippy mm-hmm. herself. And I think that Rod Sterling even... Uh, Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor even kind of vouched for it, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as does uh, Vera Miles, who was yeah. fired from Vertigo. Oh, he was an asshole. Pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought her back 
in Psycho just because he was like, nope, you're under contract. You have to do this. Um, but then Janet Lee famously till the day she died said, well, he never did it to me. I think that if you're Hitchcock, you're not doing anything with Tony Curtis's wife. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Tippi Hedren, single mother. Yep. You know, Tippi Hedren's story is so fascinating too because yeah. she was like a she was like an early supermodel, right. and she had kind of aged out of it. That she was doing commercials, and there was a there was one that would always run during the Today Show. I can't do the whistle. Can you do the whistle? A wolf whistle? Yeah. That's I mean, <laughs> yeah. And it's her uh, it's her character introduction. to to this birds. movie yes. that's sort of a little wink at that. Yes. And I think as the story goes, either producers at Universal or Hitchcock saw her commercials during the commercials for the Today Show and they brought her in for a screen test right, right, to right. sign her. Yes. And when she said that, when she went in, she just assumed that it was going to be for television. Yeah. That I, I'll get a couple episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock Presents. Presents yeah. And um, yeah. It'll Did be- you watch the screen test? I did not watch the screen test, but I know that she did multiple roles, like female roles in Hitchcock movies. And she is acting against Martin Balsam. Yeah. From Psycho. Mm-hmm. And St. Elmo's Fire. He's uh, Arbogast, right? <laughs> Arbogast, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Craggy old Martin Balsam. Um, yeah, the screen tests are interesting. It's like in front of a roaring fire. And it's just her in, like, gowns. And I think that Hitchcock and his wife were very hands-on with these screen tests, yeah. which is so interesting, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, something that you do not really see today yeah. over something like that, like so, courting an actress, and they offered her the birds. Yeah. Well, another thing about Tippi Hedren was that she uh, was a former model. She is a mother. She has had, at this point, her daughter, Melanie Griffith, was toddler yeah maybe four 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 or five years Mm -hmm. old and tippy was 33 yeah and universal said that is too old you are 27 for to be (laughs) a new star when you look at the poster according to the press release you are in your late 20s when you look at the poster for the birds it's cool because it's first of all it's her just screaming in terror with all these birds flying at her there's Alfred Hitchcock, full body, on one side. And then in the bottom corner, it's like a little Polaroid kind of thing. And it's Tippy with this, like, little Marilyn Monroe haircut. And it says, a fascinating new personality. And it's like, just so you know that this I girl mean, in this movie is brand new. And it's also, I mean... There's and, the term the Hitchcock blonde. That well, yeah. She was his ideal leading lady. And to, but to be an ingenue, a fascinating new personality. I mean, by today's standards, a 33-year-old woman to be like the new girl on the block. How the hell old was Emma Stone when she won Best Actress? I think she was like... Do you know what I mean? Just over 25, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 33. I mean, also, I mean, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, exactly. won that for was, Silver Linings Club Playbook, and she was 20, I think. Um, so it's like things have not changed at all. I think that really has been uh, a hindrance to people like Naomi Watts. Yeah. You know, Jessica Chastain famously is like, 
Who knows how old Jessica Chastain is? Yeah. Maybe she's 45. I love a, I love a good <laughs> debated birthday on Maybe IMDb. She's 36. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I mean, I think a lot of just sort of trying to find the girl, the Hitchcock blonde, yeah. was Grace Kelly leaving Hollywood. Right, right. That I think that she was the bankable star that they gave the Oscar to. And, um,. She just kind of peaced out and married a prince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but I mean, Tippi Hedren is a, is a, uh, a fascinating character as a person. Her yes. life has been oh, yeah. crazy. But, um, I mean, if you want, want to read up about all of her animal activism mm-hmm. that maybe started with this movie. Sure. Maybe, um, but has gone into like big cats and her Shambhala preserve and all of that. Uh, Scott and I and, and our friend Marlene, friend of the pod, are have always been fascinated by Shambhala. Uh, been- we never got. I mean, did we miss our opportunity to go to Shambhala? <laughs> I don't think that they're doing tours anymore. I think that something probably still exists out there. Yeah, that has the big cats, but I don't think that you can do tours. Yeah, the anymore. preserve is still there. Okay, but I mean, Tippy at this point is ninety three. So I'll just tell the story. I know that there is a past episode where I've told it, mm-hmm. but. We were going to the first year of Stan Lee's Kamikaze. Yes. And I feel like we specifically Which went there. Which is now there. called Stan Lee's Comic-Con. Stan Lee's Comic-Con. And I feel like we specifically went there to meet Tippi Hedren. Yeah. Because we saw that she was going to be there. And Elvira. We were like, Tippi and Elvira are going to be there. That's we're, good enough. We're making the pilgrimage to the convention center because we both want to meet Tippi. Yes. I feel like, I mean, of course, like, there was Cassandra. Yeah. But I know a big part of me wanting to go there was yeah, to meet Tippy. Absolutely. And I remember walking up to her table. I got up my cash and I had to interrupt. Her handler had to interrupt a conversation that she was having in the next booth with Morgan Fairchild. Yes. That <laughs> just those two just doing small talk yeah. at this, they were at this convention. Conversation. Yep. I don't know if it they, was small talk. They I probably they go yeah. way back. They've known each other yeah. for decades. And this is mm-hmm. this is uh, this is a booth at a at a Stanley's kamikaze in its first year was touted as a pop culture convention. Yeah, it was kind of a little it bit of everything. It wasn't just mm-hmm. comic books. It wasn't just sci-fi. It was pop culture. So Morgan Fairchild has a booth. Mm-hmm. Tippi Hedren has a booth. And, you know, these these women are, are icons. And they're, you know, to get an autograph from them, you have to buy the 8x10, which we gladly did. Yeah. You know, we're like, okay, we got to buy the $40 8x10? Sure. We, brought, we, we want this one. We brought our DVD, but I feel like we were too scared to ask. Yeah. I think we were just holding it. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I remember... When we were talking to her mm-hmm. of just sort of, hello, like, it's it's nice to meet you, Tippy. Yeah. And I think that it was you. She had brochures for Shambhala She had brochures. The place. And we, we took them all, yeah. too. And <laughs> I remember when she was signing the 8x10, I'll, I'll post a picture of it, that her little her, her little hand. her little hands mm-hmm. were shaking as she was doing them and i'll always remember her doing the little birds she was signing with a sharpie a big mm-hmm. black sharpie and she had her big signature tippy hedron and she you know when you were a kid and you would do a drawing and you do that thing where it would be like a little like a m and then that's your bird in the distance she did a, a, like three of those yeah and we were and we saw it and we were like i saw it and i died oh 
my god! And then I think that it was you it that was noticed. It was me that noticed the pen. It was me. The was pin me. that pin. Alfred and Alma, right? Alma was his wife. Yeah, Alma. When they took her out to dinner at I can't remember the famous Hollywood restaurant that they went to. Zeros or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was that. Yeah. That when they invited her to dinner and they were with some producers that were doing the birds, mm-hmm. and he gave her a gift of here's here's a gift from yeah. Alma and I. Open it. Yeah. And it was a bird pen. It's like a brooch. It's and a it's brooch. Gold, mm-hmm. And it's these gold birds with little diamonds. And that was when they it. offered her yeah. the lead role of the birds. Yeah. And when you said, Miss Hedron, is that the pin that Hitchcock gave you? And she said, why, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, she like tapped she it tapped with her, it. With her yep. little index mm-hmm. finger. She said, yes, it is. And she tapped it. And I was like, dead. I got you, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I always kind of wonder if people, if, if people clock that. Right. I mean, I, I'm sure that people do, but I like to think that she was impressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that she was like, okay, these two little fegalas did their did their homework. They 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 know what's going on because again, at this point, that this was famous, not famously, but this was actually a scene in the movie The Girl. Yeah, they recreated this this scene. Um, but this is years before that. This is like 2011, 2012 or something mm-hmm. when we when we did this. And so I knew it because I, I had my DVD. And she talked about and it on that little documentary. In the documentary. Mm-hmm. And I and I had watched that documentary several times, so I was like, I that's it. If it's not it, it's a replica of it. And but she said yes it was. So I I believe her. I believe she just has it and wore it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is like it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but yeah, Tippy's an icon and a very I'm sure that she has a very complicated relationship with this movie mm-hmm. because I mean this movie's great. Yeah. It kind of launched her, but just with the whole uh just sort of sexual harassment allegations. Right. That it does kind of sour it. And I'm sure that yeah. she has very mixed feelings about it that yeah. I th- feel like probably within the past like seven years that she's really had to come to terms with after the whole Me Too movement of just sort of examining that portion of her life right, too. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate and, you know, it's one of those things that of course we're not going to question any of these women that have come forward with these like allegations like i believe it, it like yeah it, it sounds about right of what yeah, i know about hitchcock it was mm-hmm. like a completely different and not to say that any of it was like justified but it's like he came from a t- totally different generation and it's unfortunate that that was something that you know came with with you know, working with him and it's just, it sucks because it's like, I love these movies. And she talks about when she rejected his advances that it did kind of cost her work. Like she was under contract. She did Marnie right after, but she didn't really go on to do a lot of major studio movies. And that probably had a lot to do with it. So the crazy thing is it's like none of, none of the allegations, none of the women have ever said that he actually did anything uh, phys- physical other than like maybe unwanted like touching like mm-hmm. you know touching of their legs and of their shoulders, things like that right so that's kind of as far as it went which is bad enough if it's unwanted it's it's bad enough but so you could you could say like well he never really did he never really did anything he never really went through with anything but what he did was 
the shitty part about all of it was that he retaliated yeah. against most of them. If they refused or rebuffed or said no, then he got back at them in mm-hmm. other ways, which is like still shit. Or even if something like uh, um, we mentioned Vera Miles yeah. getting pregnant and yeah. she couldn't do vertigo, that yeah. he was just a fucking asshole to her. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of brought her back to do Psycho, and she kind of felt like she didn't really want to do it. It's kind of a weird role, and he kind of forced her into making it because it was like a contract thing. And that was just, that was like her punishment, you know, for getting pregnant. You know, how dare she get pregnant when he hires her to be in? Meanwhile, you know, we love her in Psycho. No, she's great. I think she's really good she's in Psycho. So good, mm-hmm. yeah. And she has one of my favorite uh, Twilight Zones, Vera Miles. It's the one with the doppelganger. Oh, it's the it's the one that inspired the Jordan Peele movie, right? Us. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah, kind yep. of, yeah. It was, it's an inspiration for us, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I, you know, he he like contributed so much to like modern filmmaking, and these movies are so great, but it's like uh, still creepy. But it's I a mean, very complicated. It legacy. is a very complicated mm-hmm. legacy. Uh, we. Like we said, we uh, were able to speak to Tippi Hedren very, very, very briefly, but we're totally on her side. Like, we love her work in this. Uh, Roar is crazy. We talked about Roar on Keep It Weird. Yeah. Go find that episode. We talk about it in depth. I love that crazy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exploitation. But there is just something about Tippi's voice that (laughs) I think is so appealing yes it's so beautiful so okay so when i'm first watching this movie i'm in like my early 20s and i'm and i'm trying to put together melanie daniels yes as who a, is as a who is woman. who is the character melanie daniels woman okay so uh before you start that mm-hmm. i remember premiere magazine did a top 100 movie characters of all time and i love reading premiere magazine i've talked about it on the show yeah. and i remember Melanie Daniels made the list. Okay. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. So, okay. So she, we learn that she's a socialite, that she shows up in gossip columns, that mm-hmm. she was recently in Rome, and the gossip columns have said that she was found in Rome. She jumped into a fountain. She jumped into a fountain naked. In Rome. Mm-hmm. And now she's back in San Francisco. And Mitch recognized her because Mitch is a lawyer and mm-hmm. he recognizes her from court because she was going to court over a broken window. Right. Some sort of damaged property. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we get to know that she's a party girl. She's a party girl and has a reputation of being a prankster. Yes. Which we kind of see yes. in the first act of the movie. Absolutely. We find out that her father has uh, is kind of a big shot at the local newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, she has contacts at the local newspaper. She's able to call someone and run a license plate. Mm-hmm. Just somebody at the at the newspaper. Desk. When she sees Mitch leave, she just mm-hmm. she just calls the paper and says, "I need you to run a plate for me. Find out who this is." And they just do it. Her dad is, is you know either is the publisher or the editor of whatever the big newspaper is in San Francisco. So she is she has this position of some power. In the city, she's kind of internationally known. Like we said, she's a socialite. She's a she's a bad girl. Had pranks. Supposedly fell into the fountain naked. She says she was Mm -hmm. pushed, but all the tabloids, all the gossip rags say she jumped in. You know, Um, 
And so, yeah, so she has this bad girl reputation. And when she does play this prank on Mitch by kind of like pretending that she works at the pet store and he calls her out on it. Mm -hmm. She immediately is like, she stands up for herself. Yeah. She kind of has she's not a pushover. back and mm-hmm. forth with him. She's not a pushover at all. She's a she's a strong, like, independent woman. Um, very interesting the way she kind of is like, she portrays Melanie as this, she doesn't take any of Mitch's shit. He mm-hmm. immediately gets under her skin. She's just like, fuck you. Who do you think you are? You don't know me. You don't know my life. Um... We'll take a little listen to the pet shop. There we are. Oh, Wonderful. Back in your gilded cage, Melanie Daniels. What did you say? I was merely drawing a parallel, Miss Daniels. How did you know my name? A little birdie told me. Good day, Miss Daniels. Madam? Hey, wait a minute. I don't know you. Ah, but I know you. How? We met in court. We never met in court or any place else. That's true. I'll rephrase it. I saw you in court. When? Don't you remember one of your practical jokes that resulted in the smashing of a plate glass window? I didn't break that window. Yes, but your little prank did. Judge should have put you behind bars. What are you, a policeman? I merely believe in the law, Miss Daniels. I'm not too keen on practical joking. Well, what do you call your lovebird story, if not... Oh, well, I really wanted the lovebirds. Well, you knew I didn't work here. You deliberately... Right. I recognized you when I came in. I just thought you might like to know what it's like to be on the other end of a gag. What do you think of that? I think you're a louse. I am. Good day, Miss Daniels. Madam. And I'm glad you didn't get your lovebirds. Oh, I'll find something else. See you in court. Who was that man? I have no idea. So I have no idea. (laughs) She's giving me a a little Mrs. Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. um, But she immediately is like, who's this guy? Like, I'm going to get him. He's going to get his. But I kind of think that she wants to fuck him, too. Oh, absolutely. Like, she wants to hook up with him. Absolutely. So it's just that kind of very meet cute that she's just like, well, I'm going to get him. And then we're going to hook up. And mm-hmm. Rod Taylor is uh he's playing Mitch Brenner very like very suave. Yeah. Um he's he's a, a lawyer in San Francisco. Um but he goes home every weekend to Bodega Bay because his mother and his little baby sister still live there. Mama's boy. I mean Big Hitchcock fan. He drives mm-hmm. an hour and a half each way every weekend to go and stay in Bodega Bay. With his mom. Um, we love Rod Taylor. We love The Time Machine. I mean, The Time Machine is great. We he love The Time is Machine. the voice of Pongo mm-hmm. in 101 Dalmatians. Do you know what his last movie was? I do not. He plays Winston Churchill in Inglorious Bastards. That was okay, his last movie. It was Tarantino. Mm-hmm. He is also in the documentary on uh, the DVD. And it's funny because he kind of like... As an older guy, he kind of had a little like a Buddy Hackett thing going on. Like he was just very happy to be there and just yeah. super excited to talk about the movie. He seems like a fun guy. And yeah, he just was so like animated and just very, and like seemed like really funny. Seemed, early like, really funny early Australian invasion. He, he is from Australia. Is he now? He oh, is. I didn't know yep. that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. He came to Hollywood in the early 50s. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, that makes sense because he does uh, an English accent very well in 101 Dalmatians, and he's doing a, an American accent in this movie. Um, yeah, so Mitch is a, is an interesting character, and this device of this whole thing is going to be set in a small town. It just mm-hmm. keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It starts out in San Francisco. Yeah. And then we go up the coast to Bodega Bay. We have to give a shout out to um to Rod Taylor's gay neighbor. <laughs> I love the gay neighbor. I, I love that scene. Oh, are those lovebirds for mm-hmm. Mitch? Girl, yeah. he's not home. He, I love that. He's staying with just his like mom a very a very old <laughs> archetype of just a a prissy old man. Mm-hmm. Girl, I wouldn't leave those birds there if I was you. He's not coming home yeah. till Monday. I love that character. Oh though. my god, he's the best. And Okay, so here's the thing of, I think, a big reason why we're picking this movie is that I feel like Melanie Daniels in this movie, especially is when she's going up the coast to Bodega Bay, mm-hmm. she's kind of a gay man. <laughs> like, I almost think that young gays in the 60s who weren't out oh, you took what you saw get. them. You took what you can They get. saw themselves as Melanie. I like, mean... they were the lead of this Hitchcock movie, and they're going <laughs> after the man. With the little, with the little birds. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you oftentimes see yourself in the place of the of the female lead in these movies, and mm-hmm. and Melanie was no different. You know, like you said, she was like, okay, I'm I'm playing it off like I don't like this guy. He's getting under my skin. He's getting on my nerves. But I'm going to play this prank, and I'm going to drive on my Saturday, an hour and a half to two hours up the coast. To give him these lovebirds and a little note that I wrote that says, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yeah. It's like, uh, like, what do you expect to come out of that? Like, obviously, she wants something to continue and to, and to keep going with, so, with this. One of our favorite scenes of this movie that we're always in awe of. I will never not be on the edge of my seat when Tippi Hedren in her fur coat. And her Edith Head like suit <laughs> gets in that fucking boat and goes across the bay. So okay. that these are women from a very different time. So <laughs> she's at the general store trying to find out information on Mitch. She needs his address. She needs blah blah blah. And she's like, "Oh, where's his house?" And the guy goes, "It's over there. It's all the way across the bay. It's like on the like little point." And, and she doesn't want to take the main road. Like, How do I get mm-hmm. there? She, he goes, "If you take the main road, it'll take you there." She goes, "I can't take the main road. He'll see me." And he goes, "Well, you could run a boat." Like he says it like, mm-hmm. well, that's the only other it's way, like, dummy, and you're not going to do blondie. that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. okay, book it for me. Yeah. And he's like, can, do you know how to handle an outboard motor on a boat? And she's like, sure. Mm-hmm. Is she, does she? I don't know. I think that she, I think she Maybe. knows her way around yeah. boating. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know Melanie. Melanie's been. She's a party girl. She's a party mm-hmm. girl. She's been, she's a socialite. She's, she's been on yachts. A woman about She's been town. on boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't know the life that she's She led. can do a, a simple little and motorized these, boat. These guys on the dock see her walking up in a fur coat, holding a birdcage and a purse. It's and, so fucking fierce. And they're just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? And she's just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. La la la, and she doesn't say anything to them, and she's just like, Mm-mm-mm. and she gets in, puts she. I just didn't she hand him the birdcage? Yeah, she hands like the guy the birdcage, and he's this old like crusty sea dog, and he's like, oh, these okay. beautiful shots of <laughs> Tippy Hedren going in this boat that. Some of it's done in a studio of her shot on the boat as a studio, and then they cool they do this cool mat in the back 
too. And I think it's so effective of when she's, when she's going over there in the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, it's a special effect that they borrowed from Disney. Mm-hmm. It's a sodium gas process. It's really weird. So blue screen technology at the time was very early stages, and it was all done in camera, and ob- it, obviously. And it usually didn't look that good. There was no computer, mm-hmm. so it was not really a chroma key. So it looked really shitty. Uh, so Disney, and in in particular, um, I think it was invented by Ubiworks, uh, like the creator of Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I can't remember his name, but he's in the credits, though. Oh, Biowerks is in the credits mm-hmm. for this movie as a special effects consultant. Um, they created this. They used it uh, to great effect in Mary Poppins. It's in The Parent Trap. Um, and so uh, it was borrowed uh, from Disney for use in this movie. And so when she's in the boat, anything that would have been a, like a, a blue screen or now a green screen process was done using the sodium vapor. Mm-hmm. And they use this yellow smoke. It's weird. Yeah. It's like really hard to explain, but the, it, it's super effective. It. Mm-hmm. YouTube it. It's crazy. But, and the thing is, it's like those old school, Technicolor, special effects. There's just something so, like, handcrafted and, like, charming about them that I just think is so cool, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, obviously, these are effects. And, yes, she's not really on the boat, out on the water and whatever. But it's, like, it's fucking cool. It's, like, that's movie magic. That's movie magic. And I'm always on the edge of my seat when she... Goes up to the house. She breaks because into the house. No score. There's no score. She breaks into the house. She leaves the birds hers. there with a little note, and then she goes back yeah. to the boat. Kind of goes a little bit out, and then she's and then she's watching for Rod Taylor to find him. She steps mm-hmm. in this boat, kicks off with the oar, yeah. <laughs> unties this rope, sits down, all in the fur coat, purse in hand. This bitch, like I would fall out of the boat. I don't know how she does this so gracefully mm-hmm. and so with such ease. Um, waiting for Rod Taylor. She, yeah, she like <laughs> is sitting in the middle of this bay in this tiny little rickety boat and just seeing him, this little teeny Rod Taylor from across this wide shot and he's running back and forth mm-hmm. and inside the house and all Goes that. Goes and gets the, the binoculars. And right before she's nosedived by the seagull, <laughs> she sees him. Get in his truck and yeah. meet her on the other side. And there's this look on her face of, I got him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, when she's, yep. and when she's in the boat coming back, she has this look on her face like, hmm, what? Who, me? I know you're not looking at me. It's so cool. It's so funny. Um, okay, so the bird like dive bombs her and it's like crazy and weird and out of nowhere. It's like, okay. This A is- crazy in-camera effect that they did yeah, too. Yeah. That like it was bird. blowing air. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was like a string attached to like a little piece of her mm-hmm. of her hair. Yeah, it's crazy. To like poof it out of the way, mm-hmm. yeah, all that stuff. Um we have not talked about Veronica Cartwright. Oh my gosh, Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> so this is like the third movie that we've done for Veronica. Yes. Witches of Eastwick, Alien, and now the Birds. Yes. We love Veronica Cartwright. I think I broke my leg. Is that what she says? Oh, Clyde. <laughs> I 
think I broke my leg. I mean, if you ever need a great hysterical crier, uh, <laughs> Veronica Cartwright is so good. And she is doing it to full effect in this movie, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, child. She is 12 years old. I remember movie. when I first watched this movie, and I figured out for myself that her sister was in The Sound of Music. Yes, yeah. That I, mean, I remember being like, oh, shit. Yeah. Cartwright. Yeah. She looks just like her sister, who's one of the Von Trapp children. Yeah. And Lost in Space. Yep. Yep. And she grew up to be fucking Veronica Cartwright. Just Lover. Like, icon. Yeah. Um, Great character actress. Yeah. She's so good. She's so good in this. Like I said, she's heartbreaking. She just falls in love with Melanie immediately. She's like, oh, you brought me these lovebirds. I love them. Because who wouldn't fall in love with Melanie? I mean, come too. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she's this glamorous woman from the city. And she's like, oh, you like, you're friends with Mitch, eh? Like, I know what that means. Like, you're going to be his girlfriend. So you're going to come around and maybe bring me presents. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we want to talk a little bit about the Jessica Tandy role? Mother Dear. Mother dearest. Mumsy. Mm-hmm. The way that he calls her darling so much in this yeah. movie. It's not quite weird like Norman Bates territory, <laughs> but yeah. But he Mama's calls, boy. He calls her darling. He calls her dear. He's just like, oh, no, dear. Like, I'm no, no, dear. Come on. Come and with me, dear. that's like an old as the hill gay I think, yeah. I gay think, stereotype I think is being a mama's boy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jessica Tandy, very beautiful in this movie. Yeah. But I was like, she she looks old. She looks old in this. She looks movie. old in the sixties. She won an Oscar in nineteen eighty nine for Driving Miss Daisy, <laughs> yeah. and she was old in that movie. Almost thirty years later, but <laughs> she was old in Driving Miss Daisy. But I mean, even in this nineteen sixty three, and she looks young and beautiful, and her eyes are bright, and she's just she does have a little like uh, Mrs. Cunningham hairdo. Sure, it's a little old fashioned, but I mean, I think that's the character. Um. Older, a kind of a woman in her fifties in the sixties too. She mm-hmm. and she's giving rural Mid Atlantic accent, like practically an English accent. Yeah, I think she's just doing like Jessica Tandy English accent voice. Um, Lydia, I think this character of Lydia is fascinating. She is wary of melanie but it's not, not like that. she is she jealous of melanie well i mean she had a very similar relationship with um with annie, with annie too mm-hmm. of that it's not that she hated annie but she didn't want annie to take away mitch mm-hmm. what about mitch didn't he have anything to say about this well i can understand his position He'd just been through a lot with Lydia after his father died. He didn't want to risk going through it all again. Oh, I see. So it ended. And not right then, of course. We went back to San Francisco, saw each other now and then, but we both knew it was over. And what are you doing here in Bodega Bay? I wanted to be near Mitch. Oh, it was over and done with, and I knew it, but I still wanted to be near him. You see, I still like him a hell of a lot. And I don't want to lose that friendship. Ever. Yeah, uh, Annie is a great character. Mm-hmm. All the women in this movie are yeah. so mysterious. It gives you just enough information, yeah, too. It doesn't yeah. give you everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lydia is a Lydia is a mystery, um, but Annie says it herself. She's like, she didn't like me. She wasn't 
jealous of what I could give to Mitch, but she was jealous of what I might take away from her, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she says, once it ended, now we're good friends. Yeah. And so the way she is just mad dogging Melanie the entire movie. Yeah. Just mad dogging it. She does not take her eyes off Melanie when they're in the same room. She's just mad dogging her the whole time. Um, I mean, I think that it says a lot about the creation of the story and the characters that we really haven't really talked a lot about the birds. (laughs) That this is all just the, just kind of the human subplots of this movie that are really interesting. And the thing about the birds, like I was saying before, it starts off on this big level. It starts off in San Francisco and it gets smaller and smaller. And famously, this movie ends... With one family in one house. Yeah. And, you know, this was credited by M. Night Shyamalan as a big reference for um, Signs. Signs, mm-hmm. you know, the big final showdown just being the family in the house, you know, and it's like this huge thing that's going on because we've, we've seen the birds attacking Bodega Bay. We've seen this huge, like, explosions and car crashes and fires and all this stuff so we know this has to be going on all over this, the town but the end of the movie doesn't show us any of that mm-hmm. it just shows Mitch and Lydia and Melanie and the daughter yeah uh, Kathy mm-hmm. and uh, it, so it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and so it is just about it's just this character study of these people um that are thrown into this like wild situation that there's no explanation for mm-hmm. and how they deal with it. And all of them have PTSD by the end of the Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of therapy <laughs> for Melanie at the end of this movie. Yeah. And um, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Kathy yep. saw Annie get pecked to death in front of her very eyes. Oh, my gosh. She pushed I, me inside I the forget, house. I forget that Annie dies, too. Yeah. I forget in rewatches that she pushed that, me inside that, that house. she doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean the big bird set pieces of this movie uh, are frightening. Yeah, I mean all of the kids running away from the school that I mean probably scarred an entire generation of children for life that are around my parents' age. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, at Kathy's birthday party when there's like one of the first big attacks, and the birds on that little girl. They tied mm-hmm. those birds to those children. This shit is wild. Like this, these kids have big ass seagulls on their backs, like pecking at them and stuff. And then later on in the movie, there's these close-ups of their hands and the birds like biting their hands. And I'm just watching like ah, oh, ooh, <laughs> it's too much. I love that shot of it's been right after the birthday party. Uh-huh. They're at the school, yeah, and Melanie um is gonna go get. Veronica oh, the playground, Cartwright. the monkey bars? And she is – she walks outside and I she mean, looks at the monkey bars. I mean, I mean that's the – that's like the – that's like the editing masterpiece of the movie. That's the of whole, how that that's scene the is thing cut. where it's, it starts off mm-hmm. wide yep. and it gets closer and closer. It cuts away, cuts back, cuts away, cuts back. Closer and closer and closer until it's this extreme close-up of Melanie smoking the cigarette because, mm-hmm. boy, do these people smoke in this movie. They are yep. smoking the night away. And – and it's cutting back and forth, and every time it cuts to the birds, there's more and it, uh, more birds on the thing. And every time it cuts to Melanie, it's closer. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, 
all you hear are the kids in the classroom singing like Teddy Bear Picnic or something. And it's like I don't think it's Teddy Bear Picnic, but it's it's pretty close though. It's in the same songbook. Buttons mm-hmm. and bows. It's like yeah. buttons and bows or something. Yeah. But it's children singing, which is unsettling. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just uh, children singing. Anything is unsettling. It seems like that. Like get out of here. It's just like I mean, that's that, that seems great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and then she just sees these fucking birds and just like, oh shit, and goes inside the schoolhouse. First of all. Bodega Bay is from like has not been touched since like Little House on the Prairie times. All all the classrooms in one room. Uh, this schoolhouse is insane. I mean, I I mean, growing up in rural Montana, I remember. I mean, there's there's still there's still schools like that, and it's that mm-hmm. thing where the teacher's house is next door to the school, which is such an old timey little house on the prairie yeah, thing too. Because she just is, and she is a single woman who has a job. Because she's a single woman. She has not been married yet, so she might as well work. You got to be a teacher. Teach, yeah. Mm -hmm. So all that shit is so old-timey and crazy just because Bodega Bay is so, like, you know, isolated, I guess, um, from, like, the big city. But, yeah, that that scene is, like, super tense. Um, Them running down the road and Melanie gets in the car. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's that thing where it's an old timey movie, so they they get in the car and they check under the visor for keys. Don't you do that? I do it because <laughs> of the movies. Yeah, but they're who's leaving their keys in the car like that? That's crazy. Did people do that, or was that just a movie thing? I mean, Bodega Bay's a small town, but they do it in a lot of movies, though. Mm-hmm. It's like a thing in old timey movies that you, they just like. You can just get in any car, just be like, oh, there are the keys, and they just fall in your mm-hmm. lap. When they make it in the cafe, I mean, this is really the contemplating the apocalypse of what the fuck is going on. And that you get kind of all of these people contemplating what the fuck is happening. My favorite character of the movie, the the bird lady expert. <laughs> she knows all about birds, and she's just like, y'all need to chill out. But then she really kind of... Puts it into perspective how old birds are and just how fucking many of them are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love when she says, like, well, if they did, if they did band together and, like, start a war against us, we'd never stand a chance. We're done. She's mm-hmm. like, that's it. And you, I mean, you get the, them. you get, like, the mother saying to keep it down. My kids are here. The Rachel Dratch lady. The Rachel Dratch lady. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much just turns into the supermarket scene from the abyss. Like, you get all of these archetypes. Oh, the mist. Or, uh, yeah, from the, yeah. the supermarket scene from the mist. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody just kind of devolving into just, like, going crazy and losing their mind. And I love that the guy's like, I'm going to the city. I'm going to the freeway. Follow me. And she's like, okay, I'll follow you. And he's like, well, let me finish my drink first. Yeah. I was like, oh. We were noticing go, we were noticing this like stocked bar in this in this restaurant. The Tides restaurant I is mean, like there's enough fucking booze in there to last them the, the bird apocalypse. Like shit. Um maybe Bodega Bay doesn't have a proper bar and you just go to the Tides restaurant. Yeah. But um restaurant. But Pete, That's all of those restaurant. all of those scenes were done on the lot. And we were wondering it, and when I was watching the documentary, they mm-hmm. did say that all of that was on the lot. So they recreated that they the Bodega Bay yeah. streets. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Bodega Bay, real town. 
Um, it is very close to where the fog is shot. Santa Rosa. Yep. I love the fog. The fog kind of has like a very similar tone. Sure. Of yeah, like yeah. seaside spooky town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Rachel Dratch lady in the bar, though. When she just finally does lose her mind after the big like showdown explosion sure. with the birds, mm-hmm. this broad, I mean, oh my god! Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? They said when you got here, the whole thing started. Who are you? What are you? Where did you come from? I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're evil. Evil! That's what I tell myself every morning when I'm waking up. <laughs> Just look in the mirror. <laughs> but evil! these birds did come when when, I mean, when Melanie drove up from San Francisco. Is Melanie mm-hmm. the cause of all this? Were the birds... Lo- I mean, would this have happened anyway? You know, does it matter... Yeah. You know, I don't know. Okay, so Hitchcock said in an interview that the birds in the film rise up against the humans to punish them for taking (laughs) nature for granted. Sure. So it's it's like the other M. Night Shyamalan movie. The one with Zoe Deschanel. The Happening. The Happening. I never saw The Happening. I never saw the happening either. It's like, but like, the happening. But yeah, the happening is like weird, weird nature stuff. I don't know. It's the trees. The trees. The trees were t- getting back sure. at us for taking nature for okay. granted. And it made us, everybody kill themselves. I mean, are you familiar with the events that were the partial inspiration behind this movie? So this movie was partly inspired by the true events of a mass bird attack in the seaside town of, uh, a seaside town in California sure. in the early 60s where all of these birds went apeshit and started dive bombing houses, crashing into cars, and spewing half-digested anchovies on the lawns. And supposedly the explanation was toxic algae that they were eating. That it like oh. fucked with their brains and made them all crazy. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. But yeah, that happened in a little seaside town in California in the early 60s. Ew. Mm-hmm. Just vomiting all over everybody. Gross. Fucking up cars and stuff. That's the thing. Birds are gross. That is the one thing. I'm not, maybe not afraid of them, but they're pretty fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, they just poop. The whole poop situation is weird. They just poop. They can't control it. Because they they just poop. They can't control it. Mm -hmm. And also, they don't pee. Sure. Everything's in, everything's in the poop. It's all together. Yep. It's in the cloaca. And the whole cloaca thing, gross. And it's also, you know who else has cloacas? Lizards. Oh, okay. Birds and lizards, same shit. So you'll be holding like a little drag, a bearded dragon on your shoulder, oh, and then mama. and then they'll just poop when on you. When the bearded dragon poops, you don't want to be around. You better watch out. Is it's it smelly. Like, it's like a big seagull poop. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's fucking disgusting. It's stinky, and it's a lot because lizards. They have to retain their, like, water, you know? So they mm-hmm. poop, like, once a week. And it's just, like, a big, and like, big. weak poop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so birds and lizards, very close. Uh, you know who taught me that? My dear friend, Alan Grant. Um, sure. 
I mean, know, I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, that's a it's, that's a big thing. It's true, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, birds are fucking gross, uh, and their poop smells, and um, they have lice. <laughs> I mean, when you get a close up of a bird, I mean, it's pretty much like a walking dinosaur. Yes, mm-hmm. especially when they don't have their feathers. Have you seen that picture of the inside of a uh, uh, a penguin's beak? And they're like row of teeth. It's very, no, it's very scary. I was just watching. <laughs> I was just watching the Good Place. And speaking of which, uh, it was the episode where they, where they had to find their their companion animal. Oh, sure. And um, Eleanor gets a she gets a, a lizard. She mm. gets a she, she gets an iguana. Yeah, that's yeah. always just on her shoulder, and it's yeah. crawling on her head. And <laughs> who's the who's the really dumb guy? Oh yeah, Jason. Jason, uh, he really wants to because they have mystical animals, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Wow, I can finally see a penguin." Ah. And that like Jason delivery that Jason just assumes that he doesn't know that they're real. He just assumes that <laughs> that that I never knew that penguins that, don't exist. That that's a thing. That that it's fully oh, yeah. a thing. People in are a pretty dumb. Culture mm-hmm. that people think that penguins are magical creatures and not real. That's weird. I love penguins, though. I know. They're so cute. They can't fly, though. No, they cannot. Mm-hmm. They've got big flippers. Um, okay. So, who are we talking about? Talk, okay, I want to talk a little bit more about Annie um, in Annie's little, like, house. And she's got a room for rent. Mm-hmm. And, like... Classic spinster move. Yeah. Room for rent. <laughs> it's interesting the circumstances, how Melanie first has to go over there. Well, I think that she just wants to be close to her because she wants to find out as much as this guy as possible. Right. Because right, right. she knows that they have a past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the way that so she. So she's doing a little recon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's doing a little recon. And, and the thing is, Melanie and Annie are very similar people. Mm hmm. Like, I think neither of them are to be fucked with. Yeah. Just period. They're both pretty self-sufficient. They're too. both very mm-hmm. self-sufficient. But I think they both know that neither of them are to be fucked with. Like Annie sees her and when she first – she first goes over because she needs some confirmation of Kathy's name. Yeah. Because the guy at the, at the general store doesn't know. So he's like, you know who knows her fucking teacher? And she lives right there. So she goes over. And she's talking to her, and she's very much like, oh, I need Mitch's little sister's name, and blah, blah, blah. And Annie's like... I'm on to you. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, come on. Yep. There's, who are you? There's no reason for you to come up here and need all this weird information. And Melanie's like, all right, you got me, gal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, they know. They, they, the jig is up immediately. Their, their chemistry is really good. So, so good. good that it's almost like, it's almost like erotic. So, too. They're like, so good together. It's almost like a sexual and chemistry, when, too. You mm-hmm. know, when, when, after the attack at Kathy's party and she just, uh, and Melanie decides to stay the night, I'll go stay with Annie. Mm-hmm. She goes and stays with Annie. And they have this little talk. Over cigarettes. Over cigarettes and brandy. So cigarettes and brandy. As you do. As you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, inside the house with the windows and the doors closed. um, They're having this talk. Annie kind of reveals her past with Mitch. She reveals her past with... It's the scene that we played a little bit ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reveals her past with Lydia. All that stuff. And the scene ends with a seagull just fucking barreling into the front door. Yeah. And it's 
it's crazy. It's like so eerie. Like they go and they think somebody knocked. They're like, who mm-hmm. is it? It's late. And they open the door and there's a dead seagull there. And especially a door too. It's not a glass it's door. Not a gla- it's, not a it's not a glass window. Yeah. I remember just the sound of birds hitting our glass window Oof. when I was young. Of, yeah. I mean, that's where the bird feeder was. And yeah. Yeah, you would, you would see them like knock into the window and yeah. then like get knocked down, like yeah. shake their little head and then fly away. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I love when Annie says, he must've gotten lost in the dark. It's not dark. It's not dark, Annie. There's a full moon. There's a full moon. Mm-hmm. And then they just look at each other. Yeah. And fades to black. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, their their chemistry is very interesting. It's just like these two women. It's like they're not fighting over Mitch. No. They're not like, well, uh, he's going to like me better. Like I'm like more rich or whatever. She kind of gives her the advice of, well, good luck. Yeah. Good yeah, luck with that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Melanie's just like, all right. You, okay. Thank you. You like laid it out. Like she... You know, she didn't say like real bad shit. She didn't say like, "Oh, he's a he's awful. He's a dick. Like, don't waste your time." She didn't want to keep him, keep her away from him. No, she's mm-hmm. just like, try it. But this is what <laughs> this is what happened with me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very interesting. I think that Annie is a very interesting character, and you're right when she does die. Spoiler uh. alert. <clears throat> It's like it's crazy. It's shocking. And, when and when sad. Mitch goes to cover up her body, and then Melanie yeah. says, "You can't leave her there." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's crazy, and like, yeah, and like Melanie's like trying not to look, and like they're trying to shield Kathy from looking at her. Like, oh my goodness, and Kathy's just hysterical, and like Kathy's just like fr- like she's seen so much shit, and she's like twelve years old. She's a little girl, and like, oh my god. But yeah, when they <laughs> the school is so funny. When they go into the school and 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 Annie's like, "All right, children, we're going to show Miss Daniels how we quietly do a fire drill." But all the kids, you can tell all the kids were coached to be like, "Okay, you're going to leave class," and but you're like sh- surprised, so you're like, "What leave class?" And they kind of all say at the same time, like, "Leave class," but they're not supposed to say it all at the same time. But they kind of do. <laughs> And they all keep like repeating what she's saying, like "go home." And it's really funny. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's that it's that f- famous movie blooper in North by Northwest when they fire the gun oh, the and, little you boy see, and you his see ears. the little boy covering his ears yeah. a couple seconds before. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's kind of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's cute. And there's a bunch of these little kids, and then they all just get fucking. Annihilated by <laughs> get pegged by all of these ravens outside. Mm-hmm. It's mostly seagulls too, though. That's the thing. It's the it's the crows that are sitting on the on the are jungle they, gym. Are they kind of the decoys? Yeah, and mm-hmm. then the seagulls are the ones yep. that come and get the get the kids. I didn't think of that, but maybe yeah. There's a lot of stories, but you know this is from a time in filmmaking when. Trivia was maybe maybe not so true. Larger than life movie yeah. legends yeah. behind the making of yeah. movies. So like Rod Taylor has a story about a bird that didn't like him. 
Mm-hmm. And I, and this bird would always bite me. I mean, I'm sure that and a I lot of birds on, and I would didn't come like on these stage cast and, the, mm-hmm. and then the bird would just come and bite me every single time. And this bird hated me. And it's like, girl, first of all, how did you know it was the same bird? Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of birds that, that did not like you, Rod <laughs> you Taylor. You know, and he mm-hmm. just has a fun, and it's just a funny little Rod Taylor story. It's like, I'm Ron Taylor. I was in the birds. I'm going to tell this funny story about a bird that didn't like me and just bit me all the time. And I'm going to tell that story for decades. On Merv Griffin. Yep. And mm-hmm. on Dick Cavett. And, uh, you know, on Johnny. And he just told the story. And it was just, and people laughed and laughed and laughed. And, and Rod Taylor could tell a funny story. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's Judy Garland saying that, you know, we're off to see the wizard. They they kept like squeezing in to get into the shot and pushing her out of pushing her out of frame. And it's like, girl, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking about like horny munchkins that would. Yeah. Well, be, that well, we all know that that did happen. Be looking up her dress or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but um, I'm I'm sure with that many live animals on set, it was kind of crazy. I mean, you talked about the type of scenes that you're familiar with even before you watch the movie, yeah. and I feel like the big one for this, it's the phone booth scene, mm. is the when Melanie runs out of the cafe and yeah. she goes in the phone booth to escape the birds, and these fucking birds are dive-bombing this glass phone booth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scene is crazy. Um, there's an SNL sketch with Kate McKinnon. Yep. But I forgot what the what the gag is. Yeah, I didn't rewatch it. There is it. one. I didn't rewatch it. I mean, it. I always think of Mole Man. Hans Moleman. What what episode of The Simpsons is that oh, from? Gosh. Uh, Where they do a birds parody. Is it Itch and Scratchy Land? Yeah, I think Marge, so. Marge oh, that's right. She wanted to go to the bird sanctuary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they cut to the bird sanctuary and this is happening. I need the biggest sea bell you have. No, that's too big. I like to <laughs> I, I I like that Hans Moleman got to be the Got to be the Hitchcock blonde. They have a mm-hmm. they have a bird feeder in the shape of a fifty steiner. It's on a really tall pole. I've already planned our <laughs> our family vacation. We're going to the bird sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Is it in Ogdenville? <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So okay, I think that the phone booth scene is. Iconic. Iconic. Mm-hmm. I think that the kids running away from school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This movie has multiple. I remember famous scenes in it. Like I remember that. my uncle George saying that they were running on a treadmill. The kids, because it's very like uh, sodium vapor mm-hmm. blue screen process. And Hitchcock liked to shoot a lot of that in studios, so yeah. they they probably were. And he's like, they're mm-hmm. running on a treadmill. I was like, how do you know? Um, and then. Uh, also famously is Melanie's final showdown. Okay, so I mentioned it before, but the last 20 minutes of this movie are harrowing. Yeah. Of when they're in that house <laughs> and the birds yeah. are trying to get in the house. They have everything blocked up. They're still trying to get through. Yeah. Mitch is like moving hutches and stuff to try yeah. to to try to like block the door mm-hmm. and during after all of this, Mitch has Mitch is like attacked by a seagull. It's biting his hand, and no, biting his biting hand. his goddamn hand. These this yeah. bird. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean this is also like a classic horror movie scene of don't go upstairs. Yes, Melanie, why are you going don't, upstairs? Girl, don't go. Why are you going up there? You're going up alone. What are you why doing? are you what going up there about? alone? Yeah. Hmm. Well, she hears something in a, in the bedroom. Yeah. 
And I mean, there is a fucking busted ass hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. And when she lifts up the flashlight and it goes to the bed and it's covered in birds, you're like, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, poor Tippy in this scene oh, of what they did to her to yeah. get this sequence. I mean, people don't really. So this is the legend. I mean, this is the legend. <laughs> I mean, people kind of love to talk about the shower scene yeah. and how technical that is. Yeah. But I mean, this scene's also crazy because you're using live animals yeah. during it. Yeah. This is the legend of them throwing birds at her. And quite literally throwing yeah. birds at her in those shots. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know. I feel like, didn't she have like the flu or something? Like it's, it keeps piling on like how bad it was mm-hmm. <laughs> like to shoot the scene. I mean, this and is, it's a, and you know, any film instructor worth his salt will tell you that this is, this whole scene is a, it's a montage. Yeah, it's shot in montage, which just means it's a collection of shots. You know, just the very definition of you know of what a montage mm-hmm. scene is. And montage. Well, you know, when we think of a montage today, we think of like mise en scène. We, well, yes, but I mean, if you think of a montage, you think of like, oh, we're training for the big like karate match. Yeah, and like now we're on the beach, Rocky now style, we're in the garage, and now we're in the woods. But it's like no, a montage can just be her blocking the only way out with her own body mm-hmm. and all these birds flying at her and just it's just all these shots cut together to create the scene that you're just like oh my god when will it end mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean hitch felt like he had to i mean sort of raise the stakes after making psycho yes that he had the top yes the janet lee shower scene mm-hmm. with something very similar and this is what we got mm-hmm there's also the scene, which I think is so wild. And I don't think it really gets talked about that much. Is when they're in the restaurant, the restaurant, and they're looking out the window. And they see the explosions. Mm-hmm. And it is another montage. And it cuts back. It cuts to the explosion and then back to them in the window. And everybody's – it's not a still shot. It's a – moving shot but melanie is still yeah and then every time they cut back to her she's looking she's got like a different pose it's very like tyra like pose and look away and pose and she's just like she's frozen mm-hmm. and she's making a face and she's like you know shrieking in fear but she's frozen, and the people behind her are still moving and active, and you can tell the it's rolling. It's not a, a still image. Yeah. And then it cuts, and then it's back to her. It's so cool. I think it's cool. I yeah. think it's, like, crazy. The, <laughs> like, I've never seen anything before since, like, this little collection of, like, eight shots or whatever. Um he never reproduced anything like that. Nobody else has ever really done anything as similar as it. And I that's so interesting because so cool. I feel like that shot really isn't talked about. No, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just so like I don't know. It's so like avant garde and like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I love it because it's. I mean, it's Tippy just looking fabulous and beautiful and everything but she's just like shrieking in horror and like each shot she's looking in a different direction now she's looking up into the corner now she's looking down and pointing and now she's looking away to the right and to the left and it's just a couple of them and it and it goes by really quickly and there's all these explosions and crazy things going on that i don't know if maybe people just miss it 
mm-hmm. or like blinking, you miss it kind of yeah. a thing. And there's so much happening in the yeah, scene too. A lot mm-hmm. in that scene. Um, yeah, and it's right before the phone booth, and you know, a man lights a cigar standing in a puddle of gasoline. Now, is that the man that was drinking at the bar? That's too? the man that Rachel Dratch was going to follow back to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's he was just like I don't know my fucking he he just had he had one too many drinking and driving mm-hmm. cigar yep. you know <laughs> and just like blows himself up you know just smoking at the gas pump you know how you do mm-hmm. um yeah wild and so and so yeah I just think like the combination of the crazy weird bird sounds and the no score and all that and then fin- the final showdown in the house when it's just them and they're just waiting 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 and then you start hearing the bird shrieks. They ramp up into this like crescendo that is insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when they finally start attacking the house. That noise is like, oh shit! It's just this crazy like ramping of yeah. the weird synthesizer bird noises, and then it just goes into this like crazy vortex of just like whoosh, and then they start attacking. Um, and once Melanie is kind of attacked in the room and they b- bring her out, she's just like catatonic the whole yeah. rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Straight up PTSD. This woman will never be the same. Yeah. <laughs> her and her and uh, Melanie and Kathy are both just like sitting in a room, like playing with like baby toys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're just like cuckoo. Did you see the sequel? The Birds 2 Land's End. I think I remember catching a little bit of it on TV when I was a kid on like TNT. I did not see it. Mm-hmm. And this is famously, Tippi Hedren is in it. But not, not playing Melanie. Playing Melanie. <laughs> and I think it was one of those things that she donated her entire yeah. salary to probably to yeah. the Shambhala Reserve. Yeah. Probably. Exactly. That's probably why she took it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Birdemic, Shock and Awe. Shock and Terror. I mean, you love Birdemic, Shock and Terror. It's so stupid, listeners. (laughs) It's so stupid. Uh, It's like, it's not even so bad it's good. It's so bad it's bad. It's It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty terrible. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it is. uh, It's like in no way are they just, (laughs) yeah, it's lazy. It's it's everything. You know, there was a Birds remake that was announced. I can't remember what director was attached to it, but what? you mentioned Melanie. You mentioned Naomi Watts at the top of the show, but Naomi Watts was attached to it. Oh, was she? She was now? supposed to do a Birds remake at one point. Okay, that's sounding mm-hmm. familiar. That's sounding familiar. Do you remember uh, Vanity Fair when they did a Hitchcock Hollywood issue where they had all of these movie yeah, stars? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of doing was it photo shoots. Jennifer Jason Lee? No. Who was it? It was Jodie Foster. It was Jodie. And it was the phone booth scene. Okay. Yep. That was the bird shot. All right. Gosh, who was in that? I remember Gwyneth and Robert Downey Jr. were Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly in Rear Window. Okay. Um, who else? Marion Cotillard was Janet Lee in Psycho. Oh. But yeah, I remember that issue when I was in college. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. And I always loved all of the Hollywood issues where they would yes, do yeah. photo shoots like that. You know what's kind of interesting about Hitchcock and his career is I've seen all of the big movies. I've seen everything in our box set. But there are movies that I have not seen. 
I have I never mean, seen. Well, kind of I have never seen. Movies. I have never seen To Catch a Thief. I haven't seen uh, Rebecca. Surprisingly, and that movie has a lot of homosexual subtext in it, right, right. from what I understand. So we could cover it on the show yeah. if somebody really wants to do it. Or I mean, maybe we could just watch it. Have you seen Rope? I have never seen Rope, and I know that's oh, the big game. Come movie. on, mm-hmm. Leopold and Loeb. I remember when we watched the. Uh, Anthony Hopkins Hitchcock movie when they were talking to the Anthony Perkins character mm-hmm. he said that his favorite movie was Rope and I think that you like laughed out loud <laughs> of cuz of course that would be your favorite yeah. Yeah. Hitchcock movie I've never seen Strangers on a Train Ooh I love Strangers on a Train I love Patricia Highsmith too Chris Cross uh Talented Mr Ripley I need to see that mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of his weird later movies yeah, the yeah, yeah. Julie Andrews movie that she did with Paul Newman, Torn Curtain, the Karen Black one I've never seen, Family Plot. I know plot, yeah. I know that movie's supposed to be not great. Yeah. It's like one of his last movies. Yeah. But there Frenzy. are there are still some some blind spots yeah, with Alfred yeah. Hitchcock. Yeah. And that's right. He also has English movies that he made before mm-hmm. he came to Hollywood, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen Notorious, and that's it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen The Trouble with Harry. I haven't seen The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, Lover Window, uh, Love Strangers on a Train, um, Rope. Yeah. Oh, Notorious is good. Spellbound I haven't seen. Yeah. And then there's the crazy old ones from, from England. But, um. I feel like I saw Vertigo really late too. Oh. Like I didn't see that movie until my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel like I didn't see it until my 20s either. I was, I was like 25 when I first watched Vertigo. Yeah. Have you ever seen Vertigo in the theater? I remember I went to it. When TCM does their classics okay. every month, I okay. saw it at the Lamely Playhouse. I love the Playhouse. Now, where was I? Work. You were at work. See? It was a rainy Pasadena day. There you go. Yep. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. But I love Vertigo, though. Uh, I remember the one of the first times I went to San Francisco uh, alone, I did a whole Vertigo walking tour by myself. That's I cool. Like, I, know. I found Jimmy Stewart's apartment, and I found... Uh, ver- uh, the woman Kim Novak. Kim Novak's apartment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I and I went down to the where Kim Novak jumps into the bay. Um, and it was right after nine eleven, and I couldn't get that close to the. Oh, bay. they put up a fence. Um, like I'm gonna. That's go and like. That's very post nine eleven. I'm gonna that, go and that, bomb it or Yeah, that you couldn't get close to the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got pretty close, but not that close. Um, but yeah, I did, I did a whole walking tour by myself because I loved Vertigo that much. Um, but yeah, I I, 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 I think Psycho is one of my, if not my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. It's probably Psycho. Like if people ask me what's my we favorite just movie, put I think it, I would say Psycho. A week and a half ago, we just put it on. It was late at night and I was just like, oh, they added Psycho to Netflix. Netflix. I want to watch a little bit well, of it. It looks like trash. And that transfer looks like garbage. Yeah. So we got out our nice Blu-ray set that yeah. your ma gave me for yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that set has all the hits, too. Yeah, if you uh, – they added um, Psycho and Rear Window to Netflix and their standard definition. Yeah, they so look like they were ripped off of a, awful. a VHS tape. I think like you're watching them on like Tubi or like Pluto or something. Um, I feel like Pluto transfers are probably nicer. Better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, 
I mean, yeah, I feel like... I feel like there's always queer subtext in <laughs> these old Alfred Hitchcock movies of yeah. that he was putting something in there. Even though this movie probably doesn't have anything blatant in it, you get the mommy's boy yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get the character of the school teacher. Is she a sort of a coded lesbian? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. Um I had never really read uh, Annie and Melanie that way, but like when I think about it, it completely makes total sense. And I like I mentioned before is that I think that gay men just want to put themselves in the beautiful heroines. Oh, absolutely! Like high heels yes. as she's going to pursue this man yeah. up the coast. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally. Um, yeah, and I think especially at the time. If you were, like, a queer person, like, there weren't that many avenues to explore. So if there was somebody that was, like, you think could be a bite, it's, like, you're going to go out of your way to, like, mm-hmm. to follow up on it. So it's, like, yeah, I'll drive out of my way to, like, go and do this thing and then maybe something will come of it. It's, like, you got to explore all these options when you don't have that many paths to take. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a very interesting like uh, uh, take on on this character, and I, and I love it. But um, yeah, I mean, if you've always thought that this movie is campy, um, if it's more funny than scary, I I urge you to watch it. Sit down and watch it all the way through, mm-hmm. and it's a fascinating watch, and it is very of its time. Um, but it's so well done and everybody's beautiful and everybody is well-spoken, but it is scary as hell and has influenced so many movies. Watch it back to back with Psycho. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy, easy. Kind of, kind of see where the, where the progression was. Yes. Yes. I still haven't seen Marnie. I've never seen Marnie uh, too. Well, there you go. I mean, it has 60 Sean Connery in it. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And, and Tippy. That'll be next on our list. But um I mean have we have we taken care of it? I mean I think have so. Have we done have we done we, the thing? We covered a lot of ground. I'm glad that we got to an older movie on the mm-hmm. show. It's been a while since we've done the classics. Absolutely. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, be doing yeah. more too. There is more older movies that I have planned for okay. later in the summer. Okay, good, good, good. Well then uh stick around and check those out coming up. But yeah, go go revisit the Hitchcock classics. They're still good, you guys. Pete, this was a fun episode with just us. Absolutely. I love the episodes mm-hmm. with just us. They're lots of fun. And this is going to be a very, very quick turnaround. So, um, Oh, yeah. This episode's going up in like an hour. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's uh, that time in the episode. Patreon shout-outs. Let's hear them. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a couple of new patrons that we want to say hello and thank you so much to all of uh, all of our patrons, including Desiree and Adam and Chris, Andrew, Laura, Thomas, Brenna, uh, Jessica Rabbit, Lawrence, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Muffy, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Millie, Aaron, Jessica, John, Nick. Christine and Rufino, you guys. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. We've been putting, we've been been putting stuff on the Patreon every week for the RuPaul Pat uh, All Stars 
recaps. Yes. We've been doing an episode every week. Absolutely. We've been uh, following up. We've been doing our recaps for uh, Drag Race All-Star Season 8. We're a little bit behind on the Watch With Us commentaries, but... We're doing the recaps every week, though. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And so we'll have a new Watch of This Commentary very, very soon. Uh, patrons, if you have a movie that you would love to, uh, you know, for us to uh, record a commentary whilst we're watching, let us know. And we will possibly, you know, do a commentary for that movie. But we're thinking of some new ones and we'll have one up soon. But in the meantime, enjoy the recaps. Monday, and I think that... After this season of Drag Race ends, I think that we're going to be figuring out more. Yeah, we're going to be doing more TV, more fun television stuff to do. Yes, on the show every few weeks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So keep on keeping on with the with the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. There are three different levels with three different tiers and lots of fun stuff. So there's over thirty watch of this commentary. So if you join at the ten dollar level, you get to listen to all thirty plus of the uh, commentary tracks. You can listen to them just as a bonus episode, how you normally listen, or we give you instructions on how to sync it up with the movie. If you have Mm -hmm. the DVD or if it's streaming somewhere online, we give you instructions on how to sync it up and you can watch with us. So it's lots of fun. It's audio only, but it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So check that out. We'd also love it if you would uh, subscribe to the show on whatever platform that you listen on and give us a review. Yeah, give us a review. Give us five stars. We would love to see that. Yes. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate us five stars. Please do that. And if you're on Apple Podcasts exclusively, you can write a review. And we love you know any reviews that come our way. They help us uh, a lot and we love reading them and we'll read any new ones on uh, an upcoming episode. So mm-hmm. check that out. And you can follow our socials. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram, Twitter, is a mess at this point it's really only useful for pornography but we're <laughs> still there so uh you know if uh gotta love that yeah gotta love that twitter porn you know if you're still on twitter and you want to follow us there we're at movie no we're at mtmeg pod um yeah but yeah if you want to follow our personals yeah i'm scott free. youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. I am at Peter Lasagna on Instagram, also on Twitter. Um, so you can follow me there if you uh, are so inclined. But otherwise, you know, follow the show. Uh, keep on listening. And we will see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.